Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning to all of our friends joining us online, listening to the radio, and those of you that are in the room, we welcome you this morning. It's a pleasure to be able to share God's Word with you today. And as we've already said, I will reiterate, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to every good dad out there, biological dads, adopted dads, foster dads, stepdads, uncle dads, future dads, spiritual dads, and moms that have had to play the role of dad. We're thankful for you. Your role is extremely important and appreciated. And you know, Father's Day is difficult for a lot of people. Father's Day is difficult sometimes because uh, maybe your father wasn't present or the relationship was painful or maybe... Uh, He's no longer with you physically. For others, losing a child or infertility makes today heavy in a different kind of way. And I just want to remind you that your heavenly father loves you. He loves you. And I I pray that God would minister to you today in a a special way. Before we jump into the message, I want to tell you about, about how amazing God is and why I think today is going to be significant in our lives. A few months ago, our lead pastor, Gary, he asked me to put together this message series that we're starting today on prayer. And at the time when he asked me, we were kind of praying about what direction to go in. And uh, he had even given me a couple books to kind of look through as some ideas to try to process. But God just kept bringing me back to this model prayer for what many would know as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. So today, that's the series that we're kicking off, this prayer series that we're calling FaceTime. But what I didn't realize when he asked me to do that and when God was kind of showing me the Lord's Prayer was the direction we needed to go in, I didn't know that today was going to be Father's Day. And I didn't know then that this week we're going to be focusing on the beginning of that prayer, specifically where it talks about our Father. And only God could connect those dots. So I believe that God has something significant for us this morning. So God, this morning we just say yes to whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk through this prayer that Jesus gives us, and we're going to use the Matthew 6 account of this, but before we get to the prayer, we're going to look a couple of verses before there to kind of help set us up for this message in this series, because there's one thing that I know about when I read the words of Jesus, you know, a lot of Bibles, the words of Jesus are in red. One thing that I know for sure is that Jesus doesn't waste his words. So we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, and it says this. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. And assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard For their many words. Now, here Jesus is giving us some instruction because what we see here in this example that he gives us in these few verses is people would actually pray to get the attention of other people for themselves. Now, that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's what was going on. And Jesus is trying to show us that prayer is about getting the attention of God. And that's one of the reasons that we called this prayer series. FaceTime because prayer is not just about getting or worrying about the attention from anybody else but him. For those of you that may not be aware, FaceTime is an app on a phone or a tablet where you can talk to somebody with video chatting. There's a lot of other apps 
that do that. But the point of using FaceTime is you can see the person. The benefit of that is that you can tell whether they're actually paying attention when you're talking to them. You know, sometimes when we call my, my stepson and we just talk to him over the phone, you can tell that he's clearly watching something or playing with a car or whatever. But when you are viewing him via FaceTime, you can see if he's distracted or if he's looking at you. And here's the thing, friends, when we're talking about prayer, God wants your attention. <laughs> he wants your attention. And, and when we're giving him FaceTime, it's not just our ears. It's not just hearing. It's God becoming our full focus. It's about us being present in the moment. And that's where prayer goes from something we do as a ritual to an actual relationship and conversation taking place. Now, we just read through these three verses, and I think that they're pretty clear, right? They make sense. Jesus is trying to give some instruction here on what not to do, but actually there's a message within that message. So we're going to put these three verses up now in a different way. So you go ahead and change the slide there. If you look at these three verses, there is a message within the message. Three different times in these three verses, Jesus uses these three words, when you pray, when you pray. We've blurred out everything else to kind of show you the focus point there that God is, he's, he's got to understand something. He doesn't repeat himself because he wants to hear his own voice. Like he's God, he, he can do whatever he wants. But if he says something to us three times in a row, he's trying to get our attention. He says, when you pray, as in prayer is not just something that we think about or talk about, it's an active engagement that God's calling us to. And sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, okay? I talk about prayer more than I actually pray. God's calling us to spend some time in prayer. And sometimes we talk about prayer more than we actually do it. God wants to talk to you and he wants to hear from you and he wants us to hear from him. And, and some, sometimes we make an excuse that we don't have enough time. There's a quote associated with Martin Luther where he said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend three hours in prayer beforehand. Now, that seems kind of opposite. If you don't have time to do it, why would you spend three hours doing it? You know, I, I found this, I don't know when you guys pray. I find myself praying a lot when I'm driving, uh, especially when I'm by myself, for a couple of reasons. One, it keeps me from being unchristlike when there's bad drivers around me. You know what I mean? Not that that's ever happened. I'm just saying it is just a barrier I've put in front that I'm going to pray. But it's about isolated time, right? And so I pray. And sometimes I pray. And sometimes I'm praying out loud in my car. And then I look to the right or left at a red light. And people are staring at me because it looks like I'm talking. And not because the cell phones, it's not as weird as it used to be. But they don't know I'm talking to Jesus, right? Like I'm actually talking to God. When you pray. And sometimes we say we don't have time. But the truth is, friends... We really don't not have time. We just don't always realize how critical it is. And once you start praying, prayer can become a part of your everyday life. Before your day begins, you can pray. Before you get out of bed, before you go to work or school, before you send that text message that would save you a lot of trouble sometimes, right? Depending on what the text message said. Before you eat, drive, or travel, when bad things happen, when good things happen, before bad things happen, before you throat punch somebody. Again, that never happened, but just in case. In every situation, pray First, and when you pray. Why? Because prayer still changes things. Prayer still changes things. And some of us don't even realize that God is answering prayers on our behalf that other people have been praying for us. God is answering prayers in my life right now that my grandmother used to pray for me. Life moves so quickly sometimes that we forget to say thank you for the prayers that God has already answered. I'm guilty of that too. But Jesus says, when you 
pray. So here's this model prayer that Jesus gives us as an example. Again, some of you may know this as the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9 through verse 13. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Some people that haven't even been in church for a long time have heard that. You've heard that at a funeral. You've heard that at a wedding. You've heard that in some capacity at some point. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to walk through this prayer so that it's not just something that we read or say, but more importantly, it draws us closer to the God on the other end of the prayer. You know, sometimes when we pray, I think we forget that when we're putting words out there and we're speaking something to the Lord, that he actually can receive it, right? It's about drawing closer to him. Prayer is not just finding the right formula or trying to crack the code. Jesus didn't give us this prayer just so we would say it rightly. It's like, well, do you pray the New King James Version or the New Living Translation Version? Or you go back to the original? No, it's not about that. It's about us coming to know who God is. And that's why there's different elements in this prayer that we're going to go over the next couple of weeks. Jesus is trying to connect us to our Heavenly Father. And it's one thing to be able to say some words and share your heart, but to really come to fully realize that the God that created the heavens and the earth, he loves you and he wants to hear from you and he wants you to hear from him and he wants to continue to working on your behalf. He wants you to invite him into your space, into your moments, and he can meet your need right now. You know, Bon Jovi momentarily became a worship leader when he sang, whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. So, today we're going to focus on the beginning of this verse 9. Our Father in heaven. Our Father. Some of us, again, have a hard time with this concept of God being our heavenly Father, for the same reason that we struggle with Father's Day, because our example of a father was not great. Our father may not have been present, or the relationship was difficult, or maybe he's no longer with us physically. But here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father, he is not flawed like we are. He does not love with conditions like we sometimes do. He does not run out of grace or love or patience or forgiveness like at times we have. And in Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Your heavenly Father loves you. Our heavenly Father has good things for you and for me. Will we trust him? Will I trust him? Will you trust him? When I'm talking about trusting him, I'm specifically talking about trusting him enough to hear you when you pray. He not only wants a relationship with us, he wants communication with us. And our our lack of ability to see God or maybe see God working in some capacity or maybe questions that we have for God or maybe questions we have about him, it doesn't change who he is, right? And one of the things that I want us to process today as we're talking about praying and trusting our Heavenly Father is to learn what is on his heart and what matters to him so we can start to understand why we should trust him and why we should spend time in prayer. And here's the thing, friends, this is not my opinion. (laughs) This is not just a preacher telling you what you should do. These are the words of God spoken through his son, Jesus, spoken, then given to us through his word, spoken for us to receive it. 
God spoke these words and gives it to us through his word. You know, and, and, and Bibles, we can open up the Bible and sometimes we can just look at it as a book or a book of books or a book of words. But if we will recognize it as words from God spoken to us and receive it in that capacity, it could change the way we apply it to our life. Jesus himself actually points this out in Luke 6.45 when he says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. What does that mean? What matters to you is what's going to come out eventually at some point in time. What, what, what's hidden in your heart, what you're spending a lot of time investing in, what, what is there deeply in the recesses of your heart. That's why we're reminded in Proverbs, above all things, guard our hearts because everything we do flows from that place. So these things are the things that really matter to God. And there are a lot of things that matter to God. But when I read through scripture, there were three things that kind of rise to the top. We don't have time to spend time on all of the things that matter to God. But these three things really matter to the heart of our Heavenly Father that he speaks to us in this communication through his word. He wants us to know why we can seek him, why we can trust him. You know, I, I remember speaking when I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for eight years, and I was invited to speak at this conferences for youth pastors. And I remember they, they told us we could share one point. <laughs> Uh, they said, you, you only have a few minutes. You can only preach one thing. You can only share one thing that God's taught you in this time of your ministry. And at that point, I had been seven years in to being a youth pastor. And this was the one thing that I shared. And I share this to a lot of new people when they're first getting started in the ministry, regardless of their position. I said, you have to earn the right to speak into people's lives. We have to earn the right to speak into people's lives. Like people have been hurt. They've been broken. They put their trust in people that have let them down. We need to earn the right to speak into people's lives. Understand this. God has earned the right to speak into our lives, but we have to be willing to see what matters to him to understand that. So number one this morning, one of the things that really matters to God, to me, without question is number one, is love. Love really matters to the heart of God. We seek and we serve a really big and powerful God, but of all of the attributes or characteristics of God, the one that matters the most to him is love. There's a, a Bible study method. Some of you may have heard of it. It's called first mention. And what it is, is it's where you go to the Old Testament and you look up the very first time that a word is used and then you study that. And so to look up the, the first mention of the word love in the book of Genesis, it points out this pretty crazy story about Abraham and Isaac. I'm just going to read two verses there in Genesis 22. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac when they were older and they prayed forever <laughs> for, for a child for a long time. Now God has given it to him, and now God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son on the altar. Like, what in the world? That doesn't make any sense. Well, spoiler alert, Abraham was willing to trust God with that, and I believe he did that because he, he recognized that God was all-powerful and that if he was going to sacrifice the son, that God could raise him up off the altar. But God actually provided a ram in the thicket there to be sacrificed instead of his son. So here we see Abraham. He loves his son, right? He's been praying for his son to come. And now again, I think he's fully believing that God's gonna do this. But we also see God's love because not only did God give Abraham a son, not only after he asked Abraham to do this, did he provide another sacrifice so his son did not have to die there. 
But this is God foreshadowing what he was going to do for us. Because the thing that God asked Abraham to do with his son that he loved is exactly what God did with his son that he loved for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I want you to pay attention to this. In the passage we just read in Genesis, where it said the word love, it was about Abraham's son. But in this passage where it says the word love, it's associated with you and me. There's no doubt that God, our heavenly father, loved his son, Jesus. In scripture, it actually says that he was well pleased with his son, but he loved us. He was willing to give his son for us. Why? Because our heavenly father is motivated and moves. He acts at the speed of love and he gave his only son that he loved Jesus because he loved you and me. One of the reasons that we can pray to and trust our heavenly father as we pray is because love is the number one reason that he does what he does. And here's the thing. He doesn't just want us to know about his love. He doesn't want us to just read about his love. He wants us to experience it and he wants us to walk it out and give it away because it's never stops. It's never supposed to stop at us. It's never just about us. If you're taking notes this morning, another thing that really matters to the heart of our heavenly father that we can pray to and trust in is the lost. Number two is the lost. God loves those that are lost and far from him. In Luke 19.10, after changing his life and leading Zacchaeus and his family to salvation, Jesus said this in Luke 19.10. He said, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, if you read the accounts of the disciples in the gospels, they really didn't fully understand why Jesus had come until he was gone. They didn't get, they didn't get the full picture of why. And Jesus continues to try to show them and reiterate, this is why I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. In Luke 15, Jesus, he's sitting with a bunch of people that the Bible calls sinners. And, you know, they don't have a relationship with, with God yet. And, and the religious people of the day, they're watching him and they're complaining. They're talking smack about him because he's spending time with sinners. So then Jesus goes on to tell them these three parables, these stories to help them understand that he came to rescue and redeem people that are far from him. He came for the lost. He didn't just come to have a party with people that know him. He came to reach people that are hurting and broken and far from him. So Jesus goes on to tell the story of a lost sheep. And he's got 100 sheep there. And the shepherd, he's got 99 sheep that they're where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to be doing. But one of them runs off and got lost and the shepherd, he left the 99. And some would question, why in the world would he leave the 99 when he has the one? But it's because a good shepherd loves all of his sheep. And a good shepherd doesn't want any of his sheep to be alone or lost. Then he tells the story of the lost coin, where there's this woman, she lost a coin. And, and it really mattered to her. So she, she literally flipped her house upside down. Some of you have done that for your cell phone before, or your glasses, or your car keys, Right? And, you know, it's amazing. People actually know that we lose that stuff so often they're creating tags to attach to the thing. What happens if you lose the thing that attaches to the tag to find the thing? You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's just a sign we got too much stuff. Um, she lost this coin. She turned her entire house upside down to try to find this lost coin. And then when she found it, she didn't just, like, take a breath and, like, sit down and drink a sweet tea and put it on the counter. She called her neighbors to come celebrate that she found this lost coin. And they're probably like... What is wrong with this woman? Like she's celebrating like a coin, right? But that coin meant everything to her. She searched for it and celebrated when she found it. And then Jesus, he goes on to tell the story of a lost son. 
And, and this son of his, you know, he spoiled his inheritance. He took advantage of his father, disrespected him. He tried everything that the world had to offer. When he came back broke and messed up, he came home. And his father didn't turn him away. The scripture actually says that his father ran to him. And in their culture in that day, this man was well off and sophisticated and it would actually be disrespectful for him to do this, but he ran to his son. And some would say, why in the world would he run to this, this kid, this arrogant, disrespectful, entitled, entitled, selfish young man? Why would he do that? Because it's his son. And because his son was lost and he's come home and his love for his son wasn't conditional. He loved him regardless. What really matters to the heart of our Heavenly Father that we can pray to and trust in his love. And because of that love, he has love for the lost. And here's the thing, friends. We've all been lost. Some of you that are in this room or those that are watching online, you may be far from God right now. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you would be like one of those sheep that the shepherd will leave for to come find you. And you may be like that coin where you feel like everybody else may seem you as insignificant, but God loves you. He'll throw a party when you come home. He's ready to turn to you like the prodigal son's father and run to you to embrace you when you even glance his way. Because love matters to our heavenly father and the loss matter to our heavenly father. And last but not least, the least of these matter to the heart of our heavenly father. And we just read this, Jesus he didn't just hang out with the religious people often. You know, he, he hung out with people that didn't know him. He spent time with people that others didn't want to. He spent time with people that others wrote off. You know, in that culture that Jesus, uh, when he was uh, living in the flesh on this planet, in that culture when people were sick, they would put them out of town. Like they, they were discarded. They weren't even allowed to hang out with anybody else when they were sick. You know what Jesus did? He would go to the mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually sick people and he would love them. There was a pretty common illness during his day that was present in that area of leprosy where people's limbs would literally start dying and decaying on their bodies. You don't touch a leper. Jesus did. He touched the sick. He embraced them. He loved them. He showed up in their life. He prayed for them. And when people would consider them to be the least, the, the least considered, the one that we should just kind of forget about, they don't matter. Those are the people that Jesus embraced. Just a couple of passages where it speaks to this. Mark 2, 17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Another parable in Luke 14, Luke 14, 21, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Psalm 82, verse three, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. James 1, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and the widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I mean, the, the Bible is literally full of God telling us to do something for the least of these. Matthew 25, 37 through 40, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? 
When do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did for one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. A few years ago, when I was in the middle of processing my own story, which included infertility, you know, Father's Day, Father's Day's always been hard for me. And But God brought me right to an intersection when I found out that infertility was what was the problem. I was working with our missions organization and God had me to move into the Department of Child Sponsorship to start speaking up for kids in Kenya. He gave me my stepson. When I first started working here, I was the children's pastor for two years. God took the most broken part of my life and he made me confront it so that he could get the glory and to show me that God sometimes will use the painful parts of our story to bring us to the promises that he has for us. He did that in my life to show me that nothing is wasted in our life. And as some of you are sitting here this morning, and maybe today is painful for you, God, your heavenly Father, loves you. Like he really loves you. He doesn't see you for the mess that you made. He sees you for the son or the daughter that he's made you to be and the things that he's called you to walk in. One of the things that God called me to do with child sponsorship is to become an advocate for kids outside of Narok, Kenya, who have nothing. And the thing is, in serving in this capacity, God's helped me to see that even at times in my life where I felt like I was at at my lowest, there's lower than what I thought. There's people hurting more than I've ever hurt before. And I used to pray sometimes, and I would ask God, God, why don't you provide for people that are in great need? And God's response to me has always been consistent. I already have. That's your job. That's our job as the body of Christ. We have the opportunity to do something for our Heavenly Father to step into their life. So this morning, once a year, our leadership gives me the opportunity to share this opportunity with you. We have kids out on the table, out in the lobby. 41 kids to be exact. I've been praying over these cards for two years. I have 41 kids left. And this round of kids that have been waiting for somebody to share hope with them. To share hope with them through food and education and the gospel and pastors and mentors. Financial training, all of these things. And and the thing is about this, friends, is that it's an opportunity for us to minister to the least of these. And, And here's the thing, is that there are a lot of ways you can minister to the least of these. We have some people in our church that minister to the least of these and vulnerable in our community on homeless on Saturday and meet those needs. There are a lot of other ways to do this, but I want to encourage you to pray about considering stepping into some of these kids' lives. For those of you that are watching online or listening, you can go to newsponsor.org and we have some children that are listed there as well. For those of you that are in the room, though, the 41 kids that I have have been waiting the longest. That's why I have them with me today. And I want to share this before I pray with you this morning. 
You know, sharing sponsorship with our church, or whenever I travel to do that this fall, I'll be traveling five or six places around the country to go share sponsorship at other churches. I don't do that because it's a sales pitch. You know, the reality of it is, is the kid in my house is not wondering where his food's coming from. And he's not wondering if he's gonna make it through the night. But this is true about the vulnerable children in Kenya as much as it's true about those that are listening on the radio this week or those that are watching online or those of you that are sitting in this room. It's true about everybody in our community. It's true about the people we like and the people we don't. (laughs) God loves them. And God loves you. And I want to say this to you because some people don't hear this and some people don't believe it. But it's true. Because of the love of our Heavenly Father that wants to hear from us in prayer, because of His love, you are seen. You are heard. You are not alone. You are loved. You are valued. God has an incredible plan for your life and He's not finished with your story. And this FaceTime prayer series, it's not just about giving you more to do. It's not about beating you up for not praying. It's about reminding us that our heavenly father loves us and that love became tangible through Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. And it continues to go on through the work of the Holy Spirit through our lives, which is why he encourages us to trust him in prayer. Love, reaching the lost and bringing hope to the least of these, this really matters to the heart of God. And when we pray, we're not just talking to the ceiling. We're not just speaking vain words to the sky. We're communicating to the most high God, our heavenly father, that loves us, that loves us. And if you're watching online or listening on the radio, we can encourage you or pray for you. You can visit fccfn.org slash connect. And if you're in the room, we want to pray for you. You can join some of our leadership at the cross this morning. And before you leave today, I want to encourage you to come meet me and my director at our child sponsorship table in the lobby and give hope to a child this morning. We're going to do two more things before we dismiss today. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And then Pastor Sean is going to lead us as a congregation. And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. And then you'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for today. I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you (laughs) that you're motivated by love, that you're moved by love. And God, whether we realize it or not, (laughs) you are constantly trying to show us that. Give us eyes to see. God, I thank you that your heart is for the lost because I once was blind, but now I see. God, if there's anybody in this room or anybody under the sound of my voice watching or listening online or the radio that doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray right now that they would make a decision to put their trust in you and follow you. God, you love the lost. Give us your heart for the lost. And in doing so, God, also give us a heart for the least of these. God, we can't change the world, maybe. We can't impact every person that's homeless. We can't meet the needs of every single mother that's struggling. We can't meet the needs of every vulnerable child, God, but we can do for one what we wish we could do for all. Help us, Lord God, to receive your love. And on this Father's Day, even if it's difficult to recognize 
that you not only love us, but you want that love to flow through us. I pray you meet every need, God. Minister to the hearts today of those that need to be reminded of your love for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.